Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you today. Uh, my name is Jim, and I want to welcome you to Muckleteo Presbyterian Church this morning. I'm glad you're with us. Um, if you will, could you open up your Bibles to uh, the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. I've been hanging um, on this verse um, as part of uh, a sermon series that I started a while back, and this is the closing piece. Uh, there's two others before it. If you haven't seen those or if you're wondering what they were all about, you can check them out on our website, and it'll bring you right up to speed with today's message. But let's read together from, from God's Word. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. Are your feet beautiful? Do you bring good news? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves all the time. Pray with me. Lord God, we just come into your presence this morning, and we thank you that you are so loving and so gracious. We thank you that you've offered us forgiveness and a gift of new life, that your love, it's perfect, it never fails us, and nothing can separate us from it. You were the perfect example, Jesus. You gave it all for, for others. Help us to remember the depths from which you pulled us before we seek to take any steps in ministry, before we seek to influence others. Fill us to overflowing with the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of love and desire for obedience so that we can make a difference in this world and bring honor to your name. For it's in your name that we pray this morning and in your name that we trust and in your name that we find hope, Jesus. Amen. Well, like I said in the beginning, the last two messages that I've shared have all been centered on God's call through His Son, Jesus, for His followers, that's you and I, to intentionally invest in relationship with others with the express intention of pointing them to the eternal hope that we find in Jesus. In other words, we're living out His great commission. Scripture clearly models discipleship as a lifestyle. Each of us lives it out differently. As we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we use our gifts across the generations, it looks different. It's not always the same. It doesn't look like a program. It's a natural outpouring of our connection and our relationship with Jesus that overflows into every area of our lives. You know, I think we acknowledge this happens on many different levels, with many different methods, in many different venues, with many different people. And that's the beauty of how God works 
in our lives. He knows just what it takes. He knows just the right moment, and he puts us into a place, and he puts us into a situation where we don't shine, but he shines. We have addressed what it means to be gospel-driven, to live gospel-driven lives, where our lifestyle, the way that we live, matches Jesus' command and end in mind to reach the world, to make disciples in Matthew 28. We talked about walking worthy of our calling from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and loving our brothers and sisters, pointing people to Jesus, all to fulfill our role in kingdom building, in building God's kingdom. The final piece of the series is a look at what makes relational ministry distinct and effective. Now, now stay with me on this. Effective in reaching non-believers in this very difficult ministry climate where you and I in Mukilteo spend most of our time. Um, we call it the Pacific Northwest. It's a very difficult ministry climate right now. We need to acknowledge our calling, and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us as we seek to identify what it means in real time to be intentional, to be relational, and living out a lifestyle of discipleship while we're walking worthy of our calling. A lifestyle of, think about it this way, a lifestyle of maturing disciples those of us who know Jesus, we're growing too. And as we're maturing, we're making disciples. We're bringing others along. We're reaching out to others with Christ's end in mind. You know, the culture that we live in right now, it is spoken loudly about what they do not like and what they do not want from the church. They don't like being talked at. They don't like being talked down to or criticized, and recently during some interviews that I did, I did 50 interviews um, for research on my master's thesis, which was based on discipleship, and I learned some really important things about our ministry climate right here in Mukilteo, and I'll expand it a little bit. Um, I interviewed some people from Linwood and Edmonds and somebody from Mount Lake Terrace. I mean, if you look at that, that is our ministry area. I had some people from Everett as well. But interestingly enough, what I learned is that those born from about the second half of Generation X, about 1971 to somewhere in there, and on to present, they desire completely different things in relationships than all the generations before them did. It, they have to be reached a different way. Um, interestingly enough, um, they're the top things on their list, the desire to be known by others, the desire to have a voice, and to be heard were at the top of their list during the survey of what was important to them in relationship. They wanted to be known by others. They don't want to feel isolated and alone in the world. They want to have a voice. They want a seat at the table. They want to be able to express themselves. And they want people to hear them. And, and, you know, I really related that to hearing their heart. They want people to hear where their heart is. 
Relationships are obviously really important to these generations, but we need to define relationship on their terms. Sometimes we get stuck with a definition that doesn't quite work. And so on their terms, relationship is more collaborative, it's expressive, and it's peer-driven, and that's very, very different from a one-up, one-down style of relationship where you have the, uh, you know, the great teacher and he's going to impart all knowledge. Now, that works perfectly with Jesus because he was the great teacher. But the rest of us have to keep that in perspective as we choose to minister, as we choose to reach out. Interestingly enough, the reason younger generations aren't following Jesus or a discipleship path in the context of the local church is that they are not relationally connected to the inhabitants of the local church. That's you and I. The reason generations aren't following is because they're not connected relationally. We have to reach out in a context that, that those that we are reaching toward understand, and we have to meet their needs. We have to ask, ask ourselves if we gravitate toward new relationships where there's no common denominators and everything's foreign to us. See, we have an amazing opportunity in this ministry climate right now. Amazing opportunity to break up the club mentality and to try some new things and to set an example of our love for Jesus Christ with others. You know, in John 13, 34, Jesus mentions this phrase specifically, and he states, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He continues, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How powerful is the example of laying down our preferences, our time, our finances, even our methodology out of love for the sake of reaching others. How, what an example that is. And you know, it's, it's why I love Jesus Christ so much. Because he laid it all down for you and I. He gave up everything. Because he loved us so much. He could have stayed in heaven. He could have sat next to God. But he didn't. He gave it up. And he who had no sin became sin on our behalf. What an example of love. We see clearly in the scripture, as our Savior laid down everything, even his very life to reach you and I, the importance of sacrifice. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, or thinkable or unthinkable, Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. We have to ask ourselves, are we willing to embrace others like Jesus embraced us? It's not easy. Are we willing to die to self? Are we willing to sacrifice comfort for growth? You'd be surprised how many people talk to, that I talk to, 
that don't necessarily view Jesus, church, or even discipleship as bad. We have this mentality that the whole world is against us, but you would be surprised when you engage in conversations, meaningful conversations with people outside of your normal circles, that people don't necessarily view all of this as bad. But they consider Jesus, here's, here's where it gets sticky, they, they consider Jesus to, to, to be just one of many options. Isn't that sad? They don't necessarily view Jesus as bad. They just look at him as, well, he's not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's just a good option. So they don't necessarily look at Jesus' followers as a bunch of bad guys stirring up trouble all the time or, or comparing us always to the right wing. They are looking at us and they're saying, well, that isn't bad. It's a good option, and that's your option, so go ahead. That's interesting to me. And then in the same um, conversations, others, well, they don't have any context to understand God, Jesus, or the Bible because they haven't been exposed to it at all, and they haven't been in relationships. They don't have a context to understand all of that, so church is just irrelevant to them. We are irrelevant to them. They're not hostile. They just need to hear the story from somebody who they know cares about them. <laughs> we need to care about them before we try to impart faith to them. The faces of those who trust and follow Jesus in the future and who are going to carry on the mission of Jesus through MPC long after you and I are gone, they depend on the degree that we, you and I, presently follow the command of Jesus and intentionally seek future disciples. We have to meet them where they are. We don't ask them to meet us where we are. And that may require us to break precedence, to change style, to approach things humbly, to look at new ways. And I want to clarify this for you. I am by no means saying that we mess with Scripture. We never change nor alter God's Word or the love of His Son for humankind. But we have to consider the methods that we use to communicate it and if they can be understood by the people that we're trying to reach. What about Christ's message in today's language for today's disciple? If we're willing to listen to the hearts of future disciples, we can be joyful, we can find great joy in knowing that we are willing to communicate in a way that they can relate to, and it ultimately points them to Jesus. For those of you who may have been off the front lines for a while of disciple-making, or maybe you haven't invested in relationships lately, or those who are doing it but you just need some inspiration for relationships that lead to discipleship, I want to close with some real distinctive things about relational ministry that you can put into practice right away. Number one, it has to be intentional. We have to be intentional. Like our Savior Jesus, he always worked toward the glory of the Father. You know, I hear a lot about the differences in methodology. We, we talk about methodology, we talk it to death. But we cannot let our preferences hinder us from making progress. You know, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But don't forget the end of this. But do it with gentleness and respect.
If you need help being intentional, just ask. We are here to help you. Relational ministry, it doesn't just happen. True relationships take intentionality. You have to plan, and, and you have to be in a place where, you know, maybe your plan is simple. Uh, maybe it's personal, and you're thinking maybe just a one-on-one -on -one kind of a thing. Or maybe it's a handful or a large group, whether it's a teaching opportunity or a class or mentoring or small group building, part of a strategy. We're all influenced for good or bad from those that we're in relationship with. And I, and I want you to keep this in perspective as you think about being intentional. Do you remember the teacher or the mentor that made you feel really special? The one who took time and got to know you? The one who listened to your ideas? Conversely, do you remember the teacher or mentor that always made you feel slightly less than adequate? I want to tell you the tale of two disciplers. When I was young in ministry and in a new church, there were some guys that wanted to disciple me. They wanted to walk side by side with me. Well, one guy, he loved me. One guy, he was discipling me because he loved Jesus and he loved other people and he was intentional with the way he lived his life and it showed in everything that he did. I spent a lot of time with him and I'm friends with him today 40 years later. Interestingly enough, there was another guy who wanted to disciple me. And that man, the first time that I ever met with him, laid down a list on the table in the restaurant we were at of the things that he did not like about me that he thought I needed to change. He didn't like my hairstyle. He didn't like the style of worship that was my heart language that allowed me to connect with God. He didn't like the way I dressed because I dressed down and he felt like that brought the, the climate of the church down. It wasn't about discipleship. It was about him trying to fix me or conform me into his image, not the image of Christ. Where the other relationship was out of love. And, and you know, that guy, he wanted me to be, to conform me. He wanted me to conform into the image of Jesus himself, and he loved me. And I loved talking to him. You know, the other guy, I don't know where he's at. We've got to be intentional, we have to think things through, and we have to align ourselves with Jesus. One more thing. We need to commit to a long haul. Discipleship is not quick. It takes a while for relationship to grow. It takes a while to earn the right to be heard. Just because somebody shows up, just because you volunteered to lead, that doesn't mean that relationship is going to happen. We aren't owed anything in relationship. It takes work. If you want the opportunity to be able to speak into the lives of others, then we need to be willing to put in the time. Growth in authentic relationships and the right to be heard, it only happens over the long haul. We have to be open to the ups and downs of relationship. On the upside, best relationships are two-way. Each person has strengths and weaknesses, and they're all valuable for growth. When we become intentional, we have to understand that if we're going to ask others to allow us to impact their lives, we have to open up our lives 
and allow our lives to be impacted as well. It's really powerful for those that we may mentor or coach or teach to understand that no one has arrived yet. We're all in a process of being formed into the likeness of Christ. We are all in progress. On the downside, for many, the idea of investing in the lives of others, it's real noble at the beginning. We think, wow, this is great. This is what I'm supposed to do. But shortly after, we become frustrated because things don't meet our expectations. We're completely set off because things aren't going the way that we want. But when you open yourself up to doing relational ministry in a relational context, we open ourselves up to life. We open ourselves up to frustration, to getting hurt, and to be disappointed. And you know what? These things are part of every relationship. But as Christians, we are supposed to be working towards reconciliation and redemption. And lastly, we need to share common spiritual experiences outside the church. And this is really important if you want to invest in relational ministry. There are so many experiences that are vital to relationships. Hanging out, going to sporting events, movies, eating out, etc. Those are really important to relationships. But we can't lose sight of Jesus' end in mind when we're intentional. And his end in mind was to seek and save that which was lost. So shared spiritual experiences that happen outside the church, they're really vital to this kind of intentional relational ministry. We need to be centered around God's word. We need to do relational ministry at its most effective. If we want to do it at its most effective, we need to serve together and we need to minister together. So these relationships that we're in, we need to be living examples of what service is. We need to be living examples of what ministry looks like. We need to bring people with us. We need to do this in real time and real life. We need to get out in the community together, and we need people to see us being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And you know what's awesome about this church? I know a lot of people here that are doing this. You're the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ in this community. And that is part of discipleship. I want you to remember this morning, much of disciple-making, it happens in the course of our everyday lives and schedules. That's where most of it happens. It's up to us to look for, recognize, and join God where he's working. Is there a neighbor or a coworker, or a fellow student or a family member or a friend that God has put in your life presently that needs to know the hope of Jesus Christ? There is your ministry field, and there is your opportunity for discipleship. I want to challenge you this coming week to pray for God to open a door to conversation and trust the Holy Spirit to give you an opportunity to invest with intention into relationship with somebody you've never been in relationship with before in the sense of leading them towards Jesus, pointing them toward Jesus. I want to challenge you to take the first step this next week and share the good news of Jesus Christ with a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Amen.